celebrating that little baby baby Jesus and if you read through the Bible in the year you might be in Revelation and uh, he's different there and by the way I read that it takes 70 hours to read through the Bible in a year that's less than three days I'm not a fast reader that might be what you're thinking so I just got in your head there for a minute you can do it. 70 hours, less than three days. We got 365 fresh ones coming up. But anyway, in, in Revelation 19, this little baby, it says, I saw heaven open, and there before me was a white horse. His rider was called Faithful. He was called true. With justice, he judges and makes war. With eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a white robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress 
of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has written this name, King of kings and Lord of lords. Over in 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. We just celebrated that Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. It's going to be different and, and even better. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the order of things has, old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Thank you, Father. It's, it's, I'm not saying we did this, but I'm saying it's easy to do this. It's easy to keep Jesus in the manger, and he's coming back. And it says, King of kings, Lord and Lord, inscribed there. There's only one. Last week we were at a Christmas service, and the, the chorus we kept singing was, Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus. It's that simple. It's that simple. Some things get complicated. Some things are complicated. This really isn't. It's our Jesus. It's our Savior. So I pray that as we, as we go before the Lord, if your circumstances now are like, man, this just isn't right, I pray that you would not judge him by your circumstances, but that you would judge your circumstances by his love, because he can speak into those. All right? Let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you're Alpha and you're Omega. As complicated as life is, as, as, as hard as it may seem, it's truly simple with you. You've made it that way. Actually, you even said, unless we come to you like a child, we can't really know you. So I pray that as we celebrate the end of one year, as we've recently celebrated your birth, and as we've read some words with talk, which talk about you coming back as a conquering Savior, I pray that you do a new work in our hearts as you, as you promised to do. I pray that each person here within the sound of my voice would be touched by your Holy Spirit today. I pray, Father, that we'd be able to see our circumstances through the eyes of your love, that you would make things new, that we would see uh, fresh change in our hearts, that joy would return in 2019, that we'd be able to look with fresh eyes as you're doing a new work all across this earth. We trust you and love you today, Father. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Please come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a beautiful day to be in church, amen? Let's greet each other. Kids, you can be dismissed.
Good morning, NBC. I'm glad everybody loves to socialize. So we do life together, amen? Well, my name is Judah. I'm the worship pastor here at uh, Metro Believers Church, and it's my uh, privilege this morning to welcome you all, welcome our online uh, pe uh, people who are watching us online. And uh, if you came in this morning, you should have received one of these. When you walk through the door, also should have been greeted with a very large smile. Braden was doing a phenomenal job this morning. He even gave me one because I was missing mine. Um, but inside this, you'll find a lot of information on our church, um, different events that are coming up, uh, ways to find out if we're canceling church because we're here in the Princeton Club due to weather and all those different types of things. Uh, also, at the end of our service, we have a, a time of response to the message of what God is uh, speaking to us. And so you'll see there's a station over here uh, with the cross. You can go there, or there'll be uh, members of the pastoral team up here to pray for you uh, if you desire prayer. Um, and 
Also, for those of you, this is the last Sunday of this year. Uh, for giving, we believe uh, at Metro uh, that with our tithes and offerings, we worship the Lord. And uh, it's very, very important. Now, if you're a guest here, please don't feel in any way, shape, or form that you need to give this morning. But for those of us who have been members for a long time, make sure we get those uh, offerings in today or tomorrow at the latest. So, And now we get to pray for our church. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. I am excited for 2019. Do you know that God's grace and mercies, his mercies are new every morning? That's what you can expect in 2019. His grace and his mercy every day. I'm counting on that. I need it. <laughs> Maybe you guys don't, but I do. Anyway, we get to pray for another church. Do you know why we do that? Does it matter? What church? No, but we pray for another church every Sunday that we meet because we want God to move in this city, correct? We want him to have his way in this city. He loves everybody. Do you know that he's got your name written down in a book? You sure? Well, you should rejoice over that, all of us. So we get to pray for a different church today, and that is, what is the name? Bring it up here, guys. There we go. It's Ezra Church, and they're located in Stoughton. So let's pray. Let's join with me, okay? Father, we thank you this morning for Ezra Church and Pastor Joel and uh, Jeff Lowell and his wife. Father, we pray that your mercy and your grace would be extended to them in 2019, and that everything that you've called them to do in that city, Lord, in that region, that they would be able to accomplish that, Father. Open their eyes of their understanding so they will know what is the hope of your calling for their lives and what you have for that city, Father. You have a plan for Ezra Church, and I pray, Lord, that that plan would be fulfilled in 2019. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. This is always a special Sunday because it's the closeout of one year and uh, sort of looking forward into the new year. And so um, today, uh, I thought it'd be fun. We have a, a dear friend, uh, uh, both Sam and Jennifer, has been friends with us for probably 16, 17 years um, since we just moved to town. We hooked up with Sam and Jennifer and um, really just developed a great relationship. And they've been doing ministry all over the world um, right now in uh, Asia, in the, the specific area of, of uh, Malaysia and Thailand and China and so many different areas over there. And so they're our missionaries. We support them financially as a church. And uh, I thought they're getting ready to go back overseas uh, for a long stint. And before they leave, it'd be great to have them come and speak in to Metro Believers Church. I know those of you that are watching online, please open up your heart and receive the gift of Sam Jerome. Come on, bro. God bless you. Let's give him a hand. Love you, my friend.
morning. We can do better than that. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. And thank you, Metro Believers. Thank you for believing in Jennifer and us. That's your middle title, right? Believers Church. You believe in us. Thank you very much for that. You have no idea what that means to us. And, and Pastor Glenn and Vicky, has, they're just not friends. They have spoken into our lives so many times. And um, you guys are so blessed to have a pastor like that. Not because I'm speaking here, I just need a few brownie points or a little extra money. Uh, it's because of who he really is. And thank you, Glenn, uh, for this honor here today to be able to come and share with you guys. Um, yes, this is the last Sunday. That doesn't mean it's the lost Sunday of the year. Um, but there's something about the last Sunday, because there is a moment where we evaluate or we look at the, the beginning of the new year, what has God for us. And uh, I'd like to enter into that mode where we look at the back and then look into the future. This message is really more prophetic in its nature for looking forward to next year where we have come from. Um, you know, in this last year, this year, I've traveled a lot. Jennifer and I have traveled a lot. I've been to eight countries in this year alone. And there's something that I've noticed in the churches that I've been to. There's, uh, and then I thought that was basically in that part of the world. But when I came to America I, uh, this, this time, I began to notice something in the church. The anxiety level has kind of uh, turned up. It's, gone, it's escalated in the churches today. And the reasons for that are varied and different from very different churches. But there is an anxiety that has escalated. All kinds of Anxieties, anxieties about relationships, anxieties about finances, anxieties about uh, your work and where you are, anxieties about sickness. All kinds of anxieties have started to grip the church. And why are this anxiety suddenly released? It's actually a design of the enemy. And that is because when anxiety comes in, and if we give our, our hearts or our minds to those anxious moments and anxious things that happen around us, surrounding us, just as uh, Matt was speaking, let not our circumstances de determine our relationship with God or God's love for us. It's got nothing to do with God. This is about how you and I respond. And it is in this anxious moment that the enemy's attempt is to uh, release fear into us. And when fear comes into your mind and into your heart, that is, when I say you, it's a plural you. Um, how come I don't have a countdown here? Um, if it's a plural you, um, it includes me. Because when fear comes in, it paralyzes us from making good decisions. We make faulty decisions. 
when fear comes and surrounds us, we may not even do anything. It paralyzes us. We don't move forward. We, don't, uh, we just stay put as though a deer in front of the headlights. It just, we just stand there. And if, he, if the enemy can get the church paralyzed just to stay and do nothing, it has already won. Is somebody listening to me? You see, that's why it is so important that you and I understand that we are in a different kind of a battle and the battles that you and I face. It primarily, the ignition for it is anxiety. But now I'm not talking about anxiety. I'm going to be talking about battles. The battles that you and I have. We have several battles that we face fight, several battles that you and I encounter, and basically there are three kinds of battles. There is this, what you call the seasonal battle, and there is the cycles of battles, and then there is the daily battles. And so the seasonal battle, very quickly, it's uh, talking about uh, the, it, it deals with our own character and our strength, our inner man, in our strength. You see, God intends that you and I are strong in the Lord. We need to be strong in the Lord. That's what the book of Ephesians talks about. We have to be strong in the Lord. But the seasonal battle comes to test us. If the church is weak, if the inner man is weak, then we succumb to a lot of other external pressures that you and I uh, face. These pressures are something that you and I cannot avoid. This is something that happens to every one of us in our own sphere of influence or whatever footprint that we have. And we experience certain pressures. And those pressures sometimes are good for us so that we are going to become strong in those situations. But these seasonal battles are also the battles where we where we should have won, we lose, simply because we are not paying attention to what God has already spoken to us. At this point, I want to take a little detour. And that detour is, what is a church? You see, dearly beloved, God calls us to be aligned with a church. If you're visiting here, then uh, I'm not addressing you personally, but if you're checking this church out, this is a great church to be at. And I, I say so because I believe that convictionally. You see, in the book of Hebrews, we have that word, forsake not the assembling of saints. You have no idea what a Sunday does for you and me. Even if it's a boring message, which you and I uh, often... Um, you know, do those an, uh, analytics and analyze the message back home or driving back and saying, what a boring message or whatever it is. You have no idea. Even in that boring message, there is the word of the Lord. And I will be unfolding and unpacking that uh, later down the road. I haven't started preaching yet. I'm just setting us up. Are you with me? Amen. It is in that. So, however it is, in the year 2019, Sunday, perhaps for some of us, is the only day where we receive the grace of God. 
the word releases the grace. The grace here is not the unmerited favor of God. The grace here is the enabling power of God that gives us the power to overcome the seasonal battle. Is somebody listening to me? And that's why I'm encouraging that we come Sunday. You see... In America, we have it so good, and we have come into a place of convenience. If it's convenient, we'll do it. And the church has also succumbed to that, and we try to make it convenient for people to come. But the reality is, the more convenient it gets, the more we settle down for the ordinary. If there is a snowstorm, we don't come. I was in Russia. People come from the other side of the town catching three buses just to come to listen to an Indian villager. And it's packed out just because they want to hear the word and get the grace from the word of God. Is somebody listening to me? You see... Please, dearly beloved, it is my heart that I want to share. I labored this in prayer, uh, trying to say to MBC, you have, you're denying yourself, you're robbing yourself that grace that you missed the Sunday. You miss the Sunday. Oh, you say, we have, we have a hundred different reasons why we can't be here or why we shouldn't be here. But there is one reason that I would say, when you show up, even if the message was not directed to you, the grace will fill your heart. Amen. Is somebody listening to me? The scripture says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Oh my goodness, I could go on and on and on. My, the the, the uh, point here is that if you want to win a seasonal battle, you need to come to be aligning to the grace that you can get. And that is through the Word of God. Is somebody listening to me? You see, in the seasonal battle, we, we are exposed to lust or control or covetousness or sicknesses. These come to alter or shake our own strength in the Lord and our walk in the Lord, our walk with God. You see, let me give you a very quick, I, I'm not trying to cast any expression or any... Um, uh, any form of just uh, uh, judging you guys. But you know, when my children were growing up, we had other parents that we were interacting with. We were new to America, but then we wanted to see what was values for us. You know, Monday morning, you take your daughter to ballet class. Tuesday, you take your son for basketball. Wednesday, you go and do some social clubs that you go to with your children that they have to be exposed to, art class or whatever. On Thursday, you go to a crochet. You do crochet so you can gossip. Friday is your date night. Saturday is an off day. Sunday, oh, we'll take a break. All right, there's nothing wrong with that. But after 10 years of chauffeuring your kids around, how many of them end up in NBA? How many of them actually become uh, football players in the NFL? How many of them really get into Hollywood or Broadway that you spent so many years pouring into your children misplaced priority, and when it comes to God, and when they leave your home, you've, you're crying. What did we do wrong? Yes, 
you never exposed them to church. You never brought them to church. You never saw God as a value. Or a God that is someone that you can hold on to. So that your child will grow into the instruction of the Lord. What is priority? God is saying to MBC for the year 2019. That you will reorder your priority. And think about God. And think about church. Not because I love church. Or not because he paid me extra money to say this. It is because you are denying yourself. You are robbing yourself. Now you say, you, 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 you. It's not like talking down upon you. I'm talking to myself too. Today my children, both my boys are gentlemen. They're walking with Jesus because we made a priority that God comes first. He could have been an NFL player. I don't know. <laughs> my other son could have been a wrestler. I don't know. But today, what is important to them is God. And they have beautiful wives that love God. They found someone that would encourage them along the way in their relationship with God. Very quickly. Say, hurry up, Sam. Thank you. Second, second, cycles of battle. This is actually initiated by the powers of darkness. Cycles of battles is basically to frustrate God's uh, plan in our lives. Do you know everyone's, uh, every one of us sitting in this room has a plan from God. Some of us are still asking, what's my purpose? Yeah. But the enemy comes to frustrate that so that we will become ineffective. You see, the attempt of the enemy is to malign our character. You know how many times that you and I have had issues where our character is maligned. People through um, uh, go into a mudslinging campaign to malign your character and my character so that we become ineffective. That's why we can't witness properly in our marketplace, in the place that you and I are. We cannot witness because our character is, at, is under assault from the enemy. Amen? Finally, the daily battles. Every day there's a constant battle in your mind to deceive us with lies that we believe which really makes an attempt from the enemy to discredit us so that we will lose our spiritual authority. Do you know, the scripture says, as many as them that received him, this is in John chapter 1, to them gave he power to become children of God. And when you are a child of God, you, you and I have a spiritual authority. And in the daily battle, we lose some and we win some. Because at that moment, we have a revelatory experience of being a child of God. Amen? Having said all that, now I let me come to preach very quickly. Say, quickly, Sam, I need pressure. Amen? All right, if you're not going to say that, I'm going to be here all, on, all morning. And then we'll rent some people, hire some people to come here and do all the teardowns. No, I'm just messing with you. There is a situation here in the Word of God that this is how I fight my battle. And this is how we fight our battle. And here there's in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the whole chapter, really, it gives us clues, gives us insight on how Jehoshaphat fought. You see, 
an intelligence report comes to uh, Jehoshaphat in that chapter saying, there is a huge multitude coming against us and they are in APAC. That is less than 40 miles, four days uh, walking for a moving army to come to surround. And the report came in such a manner that Jehoshaphat sank in his heart with fear. Fear gripped him. He did not know what to do. It's not that Jehoshaphat didn't have an army. Because in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, we go through the entire list of the number of the battalions and the commanders put together. There is numbers in 2 Chronicles 17, he actually had 1,060,000 battle-ready, uh, well-fed, armed-to-the-teeth soldiers. With 1,060,000, I'd go anywhere to fight. But what kind of this multitude would it be that even Jehoshaphat, with that strength, said, what, what am I going to do? And I want to begin with this. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. For we have, this is Jehoshaphat calling all the people of the nations coming together to pray and seek the Lord. What a king. What a beautiful king. He says this. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. We have no power. And then he says, we don't know what to do. Have you ever been in a place where all your options are off? You have no more options. And you begin to think, what am I to do? I don't know what to do. Have you been in a place of perplexity where you don't know what to do? You're stuck. And you can't go this way, this way, or anyway. No option seems to be right for you. And he's saying, there is no option for me. I don't know what to do. He's stuck. He's been pushed back to the wall. You and I have had those kinds of experiences many times where we're pushed back. We don't know what to do. And then he says, we have no power. Have you ever been in a place where you have no power to change the situation or change somebody's mind? And that's when he says, our eyes are on you. You see, and then God comes very quickly. Say, quickly, Sam. And God's power comes on him and on the whole group of the whole nation. And you know, the scripture says it came upon a guy. He was an insignificant person. The Spirit of God fell on an insignificant person. Say, somebody say, insignificant. And that's how he was. The way they had to identify is by genealogy. Son of, son of, son of, son of, son of. It came on a guy called Jehiel. His name was not mentioned before that or after that. And this is the word of the Lord that came. Because he said, our eyes are on you. How many of you need the word of the Lord? When you're in that kind of a moment. And when that word came, it came through an insignificant person. In my, in my place, I would want the word to come through Benny Hinn or through Lauren Cunningham or some big guys, like a big guy, like Glenn. 
pun intended. You see, we are looking for the word of the Lord to come from some big name. But God sometimes uses a homeless man, an old widow in the church. It's not necessary that it has to come from some big names or someone that you respect. Great, they are wonderful people, but God can bring the word through an insignificant person. Now, let me very quickly go here to, uh, and then he says, this is what God says, this, through that word, through this man, position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Position yourself. He's talking about uh, telling the king and the whole group, the prophetic word, that he says, position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Three words. Position yourself, that we can do. Stand still, no. We, that's very difficult for Americans. We always have to do something. We always have to help God. How many of you have tried to pray and help God in how he should handle your problem or how you should handle your issues? Oh, God, just shake my husband, oh, God, so that he can somehow see that you are God. He's always playing golf or whatever, you know. Oh, how about a husband's prayer? Oh, God, put a tennis ball in my wife's mouth, Lord. <laughs> you know, all kinds. You're telling God what to do with your situation. Well, God knows better than you. God understands your situation far more than our peanut-sized brains. You see, God is God. And yet you and I have the audacity to advise God how to handle our problem. He says, stand still. We Americans cannot stand still. We've got to do something. Standing still is a weapon of warfare. Sometimes we have to just stay. And then God says, and see the salvation of God. This word salvation here literally in Hebrew means physical rescue. It means a rescue. How many of us need to see rescue of God this morning? In your situation, whatever that situation might be, it's a rescue from God. That we are looking for rescue. That's the word salvation is. What is the rescue that you want tonight? Oh, sorry, this morning. I'm still in jet lag, right? <laughs> what is that rescue that you're looking for? What is the salvation that you're looking for? We will find out. And this is what Jehoshaphat did. He took four postures. Four postures. This is how he fought his battle. He heard the word, and he did exactly that. He had four postures. And I'm going to ask you to do those very four postures shortly. First, he positioned himself in the presence of God. When you position yourself in the presence of God, it increases your faith. Positioning yourself in the presence of God. That's when the presence, when, when you stay in the presence of God, the word of the Lord comes down. Are you with me? You know, when I was a national director of India a long time ago, uh, a message came to me saying, Sam, uh, a, a, one of our centers in the country, uh, a group of people came with sticks and machetes and came to attack our center. And the fastest I could go was two days later. And what I saw and heard was evident. I saw the devastation. You know what they did? They pulled the director of that center out in the 
out in the portico and they started to hit him with the sticks. And at that moment, his two-year-old daughter, who can't even speak English, was, knew something was wrong. So she went to his father saying, Papa, Papa, Papa. While these guys were beating him, this girl, this lady, one of our missionaries, she saw that one more step the baby would take, that stick would land on her head and the brains would be splattered. So she ran and picked up the child and the crowd saw her and she ran to the women's uh, uh, housing. And the, ch the crowd chased her. She went inside. All the other ladies were there. They secured the door, locked the windows and everything. And they started to pound on the door. They started to pound. And the women inside were panicking. And they started to scream, just like you and I would do. They started to scream. At that moment, this two-year-old said something. Why are you afraid? She spoke in chaste English. They thought, well, she must have heard from one of the outreach teams coming by. But it was her second line that changed it. Her second line, why are you afraid? Don't you know you're the apple of God's eye? Instantly, the screaming stopped, and they started to sing hill songs. And they kept on singing and singing and singing. And the pounding receded. What they didn't know when, uh, the, at that moment, the neighbors told me and I could, do, I could smell it. The people came with gallons of kerosene and tried to put at the door. And they lit. And the flames would come. And they tried many times. I could still smell kerosene. God came through. Amen? Position yourself in the presence of God in your battle. Second, position yourself in the people of God. You see, when you position yourself in the people of God, it activates your faith. This basically is a joke from um, that I've heard, but I want to adapt it to a, a situation that happened in my wife and I's life. So I want to share that with you today. You see, when I gave up my national director role, we were in in-between time. We wanted to uh, go and, uh, you know, debrief. And so we went to Malaysia, and we spent a few uh, weeks there. And one of those times, Jennifer and I, we, uh, I drove the car and went to a provision store. It's a mom-and-pop provision store. It has all, all kinds of things. Everything is in, in that provision store. What I didn't know at that time was... Jennifer and this guy, that provision store, they were very friendly. I mean, she was talking, and he was talking, and then switched language. And I started to get this petty jealousy. What, why is this guy acting so friendly beyond what friendly is? How, how can I help you? And my wife, Jennifer, also was very friendly with him. And I was watching this with a little uncomfortableness. Are you with me? Men are stupid, but uh, I, I happen to have that moment, you see, jealousy. And so I was thinking about this, and I, I was thinking, how should I talk to my wife about this? So on the way driving, I sh the thing that I shouldn't say, I said stupid, but I did. So I said to her, sweetie, if you had married that guy, you would have been a wife of a provision store owner. 
And there was quiet for a little bit. And then she turned around and said, no, Sam, if I had married him, he would have been the national director of India. <laughs> What's my point? But the reality, the, to, just to close the gaps here, Jennifer and this guy and were family friends. They grew up together and all of that. They came to the wedding and all. I didn't know that, you see. But me stupid, my petty mind, jealousy. Are you with me? How many of us go into perceptions like that? Amen? What's my point? You see, I'm sharing this because I couldn't have come this far in life without God and my wife. I came this far because my wife was my, not only my greatest cheerleader, but my greatest critique. Are you with me? I honestly would say that my faith in God was activated because I was yoked with my wife. And even you, you probably have many small groups here or whatever groups you have. Don't you have one of those? When you position yourself in the people of God, it activates your faith. That's why Sunday, it's a place of activation for your personal life. It's not about the church. It's not about the offering. It, those are all important. But it is not about soothing your conscience of coming to church. It's about you getting activated in your faith. And that happens in the presence of the people of God and the assembling of the saints. And that's why it's necessary for you not to miss. The enemy is out to give you 2,000 reasons why you shouldn't be here. In fact, some of you are even wondering why you're here. Today, you could be somewhere else because it's the last Sunday. What's, what's the in the last Sunday? I mean, it's the same as other 51 Sundays, right? No. Every Sunday is a place of activation. Every Sunday is an activation of faith. Is somebody listening to me? Every group that you're belonging to during the system-wide, it is a place of activation. No matter what the focus is, it's the activation of your faith. Is somebody listening to me? Amen? Third, if you position yourself in the promises of God. You know, a man went to a grocery store, something like a Woodman's store, uh, with his four-year-old son. Now, have you ever had this experience when you go into a store? You, there, uh, coincidentally, there's always somebody behind you just wa walked into the store behind you, and they seem to have the same list. They follow you around. Have you ever had that? It kind of feels eerie, but they follow you around. So there was this old lady was following this guy, and he was in the aisle. She overheard this guy speaking. Albert, no, 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 no. Albert, turn around, turn around. Turn. Albert, Albert, you already have that. Leave it, leave it, leave it. Albert, it's on sale, but you already have. You don't need another one. Turn around, Albert, turn around. Move, move, keep going, keep going, keep going. Just keep going. And this lady was hearing this all the time. And so they were at the checkout counter. And this lady, she said, sir, I just want to uh, talk to you if you don't mind. I'm older to you so I can say this. You're saying no, no, no to everything to this little child. 
you might as well call him no. Albert, don't do this, don't do this, turn around. Just give him a little break, a room. So he turned around and says, ma'am, Albert is my name. It's not his name. I was talking to myself <laughs> to leave it around. No, 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 no. I have a problem with compulsive buying. How many of you go to a grocery store with a list and buy something else that's on, this, on, that, on that cart? Are you with me? Are you listening to me? So he was talking to himself. No, 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 no. Leave it, leave it, leave it. It's on sale. It doesn't matter. We already have that. Turn around, turn around. Keep going with your list. Come on, move it, move. How many times that he was saying to her, ma'am, I have a problem problem with compulsive buying. I had to speak to myself. What's my point? My point is, very quickly, my point is that promises of God must be always upon your lips. You see, he positioned himself in the promises of God. Third posture. Promises of God. Every single one of us, no matter how young you are in the Lord or how old you are in the Lord, we all have received promises from God. In fact, every Sunday, no matter what the sermon is and what direction the sermon is, there is a promise for you and me. But then what's the point of having a promise, writing it down, putting it in some deep filing cabinet or in some deep freeze and only to remember when some big man of God comes and prays in the name of Jesus and he starts saying things, oh yeah, two years ago I got the same one. What's the point? Yeah, I got, it's a confirmation. What is the point of having a confirmation when you're not speaking that promise? Every one of us have promise. Is somebody listening to me? Amen. Amen? He positioned himself in the promises of God because that's what he, he did not manipulate God and say, God, you promised me so you come through like some of us do to one another. You promised me, like our kids, you know, you promised me for a PlayStation. Now, where's the PlayStation? Why did you promise me? No, it's not that kind of manipulation with God. He says, God, we remember what you have said. We remember what you... He wasn't twisting God's arm like that. He was saying to God, we remember. And that's why you and I need to remember the promises of God. Quickly. Why? Because when you remember the promises of God, it sustains your faith. Increases your faith, activates your faith, it sustains your faith. Finally, he positioned himself in the praises of God. It perpetuates. When you position yourself in the praises of God, it perpetuates your faith. That's why worship is so key for your life and my life. We constantly, it's not about enjoying worship music, it's about constantly getting your heart into a place of worship because it perpetuates your faith because our God is big, our God is strong, our God is mighty, our God is so Amazing that there is no one like our God. Amen. You see, you know, when we started our ministry, Jennifer and I, we used to sleep on newspapers. That's how we began. Now we don't. We have very nice mattresses now here in America. Are you, are you with me? 
And for some wild reason, she weaned Daniel off from, from milk and gave him formula milk. So that afternoon, she came to me and she says, I have just enough one feed left for him. I said, no worries, I have 100 rupees in my pocket. And it's enough to buy one tin. And I'll do that by evening yet. I should have gone immediately and done it. No, but procrastination. I stayed there. A couple walks into our room, into the house, and they said, you know, we are desperate. Can you loan us 100 rupees? And I'm thinking, mm -mm, I'm not giving that. That's for my son. So uh, I was about to say something, and my wife comes in. She said, can I speak to you in the room? It's very dangerous. <laughs> so I go into the room, and she said, I feel like the Lord is saying, give that hundred. I said, excuse me, Daniel's my son. He couldn't have that son without me. So I have equal rights, and I have to tell you that as a father, I cannot do this. She said, can you trust God? I mean, when you put me into that kind of corner, what do you say? So, okay, so all right, so I go up there and give them the 100 rupees. I'm smiling, but inside I'm grumbling, and <laughs> I gave it to them, and they said, thank you. They don't know anything, and they left, and I got mad. I go upstairs to the, to the roof, and I was pacing and said, I'm Lord, I am sorry, God. I should have not listened to my wife. I should have taken the position of a leader in the house, and I put my foot down and said no to my wife. I got one minute, 16 seconds. I'll finish. Are you with me? Are you listening to me? I said, can I borrow some money? He said, no. And so I went down. I'm a man of faith, see? So he was sleeping fast asleep. So I went there to the crib. He was the only one who had a nice bed. So I put my hand on his belly. And I said, in the name of Jesus, be filled. I was asking God to fill his belly with milk that he would never be hungry. Till we get some money. As soon as I finished that prayer, he cried. And I said, oh no, what did I do? That means the last feed is gone. And I'm sitting in the corner, sucking my thumb, and I'm in total self-pity. What was my wife doing? She was singing praises to God. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with you, lady? <laughs> You, don't you understand this predicament that you brought me into? <laughs> What's wrong with you? And she's just smiling and still continuing to praise the Lord. And it bothered me so bad. Now I understand why the devil gets irritated when you praise God. But I was irritated. Oh, I'm done. I'll finish in 30 seconds. That night at 9.30, a couple walked into our house. They said, you know, this totally different couple. They said, we were at the milk aisle. And we felt like we should buy you this tin of milk. Is, would you like that? And it's the same exact formula because, you know, children get used to formula. They don't. And, and it was double the size. I said, yes, absolutely. Come on in. <laughs> Thank you very much. And my wife looks at me and says, Why do they have to do that? <laughs> point well taken. What's my point? That when you 
Position yourself in the praises of God. If the church positions itself, it sustains the faith. Now, tying it together. When the church does battle, everyone who aligns themselves and say we are part of MBC, your battle is no longer yours. It's God's. But when we have to be under the anointing of MBC, because every church has an anointing, every church has its own cover. If you say you belong to this church, then you need to come under that because there is a battle that the church does on its own. And we come under that cover. How much we miss. We think giving tithes does it all. No. You need to come under that anointing. There is an anointing of MBC. Now, my time's up. But this is what I'd like to do. I'm going to ask Judah and his team to come up. But as they're coming, I want you to think about this. This is how you are going to say, I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to position myself. I'm going to position myself in the presence of God. I'm going to position myself in the people of God. I'm going to position myself in the promises of God. And I'm going to position myself in the praises of God. If there is a battle that you have, and I'm sure some of you are in that place of intensity, whatever it is, whether there's a relationship that needs to be resolved or something that's going on, Come under the anointing of the song. And when the song is permeating in this atmosphere, I would like you to do something. Stand up and come in that place. You don't even have to come forward. If you want to come, that's up to you. But stand up and say, God, I'm going to position myself in the presence of God. I'm going to position myself in the midst of the people of God. I'm going to position myself in the promises of God. I'm going to position myself in the praises of God. And let that song activate something inside you so that the 2019 will be the year of breakthroughs, will be the year of sustenance, will be the year of release, will be the year where everything that has gone wrong will be corrected and reversed and righted because God is able to do that. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and sing, and I will stand here for a couple of minutes, and then I'll turn it over to Pastor Glenn. And while the song is happening, I don't care which background, how you feel, if you're desperate, if you want God to come and minister to you right now, then you stand during the song. But until then, just wait. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles, man. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is the moment to stand if you want God like to meet I'm you where you are. 
in your personal life, in your place of work, wherever it is. Because this is the church. Come under the anointing of that song and above the anointing of the church and stand. Don't stand because it's a good thing, but stand because you want to see the breakthrough. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Cause this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. Cause this is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Cause this is how I fight my battles. 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 We declare this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how we fight our battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, Jesus. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, Jesus. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. What a great word, huh? What a great song. 
Why it looked like I'm surrounded, but the reality is we're surrounded by Him. Amen. Great word to, to sort of set our sails. Move into 2019. Amen. Next week we're gonna talk about new you, new year, new Jerusalem, new heavens, new earth, all kinds of stuff. We're gonna kick off the new year next week. Uh, with just a good word to sort of set our sails some more. We're glad you're here today, and uh, we're just delighted that you chose to end 2018 with us here at Metro Believers Church. And so let's just lift our hands for just a moment as we pray and dismiss and thank God for his word. Father, we're so thankful and so grateful for the words that we receive. Sometimes we take them for granted. We don't even realize that they're registering on the inside of us and and helping to realign us and adjust us for optimum health. And so, Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for the grace, your ability, your desire to use your ability and your power and your strength on our behalf. That grace that we receive when we receive that word, God, within that word is the ability to perform itself. God, I pray that that as we close out this year that we would let go of some things that need to be released and detached from. Some of the things of scars of the past and the hurts and the disappointments and even some of the mediocre attitudes towards the things of God. I pray, Father, that as we enter in 2019, that we would do it with a brand new. You're the God of newness. You're a God of a fresh start. You make all things new. Your mercies are new every morning. God, help us just to stand still and rest in that, that you are making all things new new, fresh, sweet, (laughs) joyful, hallelujah. God, as we go, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for a great, great year ahead of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Shake a few hands. You're dismissed.
Shout. 